I want you to turn to how many passages? Two passages of Scripture. Uh, Acts chapter 2, if you'll open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, and then put a marker at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. All right, open to Acts chapter 2 and put a marker at 1 Corinthians 14. It's very important because we're going to spend several moments in 1 Corinthians 14 later in the message, all right? So, Acts 2, 1 Corinthians 14. We're continuing our series, Words, Life or Death. We have one more message in the series. That'll be next week, and uh, then we'll have Father's Day, and I'll preach a special Father's Day message that weekend. But this title, the title of the message today is The Pure Language. The Pure Language. We've been talking about our words and how our words connect us to God and people. It's, it's amazing when I had to go on total vocal rest and not speak at all for several days, uh, it was amazing how isolated I felt. Right there with my family, and they're laughing and talking, and you know, I could just smile. I couldn't say anything. And it was also amazing even how Debbie felt the separation as well, because I'm a very verbal person. And she said to me after a while, she said, I, I, I know you're not, but I just need to ask, are you mad at me, you know? Because I just wouldn't talk. And some of you think, yeah, I live with that. Well, let's not get in, let's not do a counseling session right now. But you can call us and we'll do that, all right? But the pure language, we're talking about our language and, and how important our words are. And I want to show you a key to us learning to speak in purity, all right? Acts chapter 2, we're going to read just a little bit of it. And I want to give you an expo- a little explanation for it. Uh, Pastor Brady shared a little about this passage last week. Acts 2 verse 1 says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Now, let me just stop for a moment and and give you a little explanation. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. What does that mean? Uh, Pentecost is a scary word to many people because of something that they've seen or associated with Pentecost or Pentecostal. Uh, In the Greek, let me tell you what this word means. In the Greek, it's actually very similar to our English word. It's Pentecosti. And let me tell you in the Greek what it means. Penta means five. You've probably heard of a pentagram. That means five-sided. Costi means to the tenth power. In other words, Pentecost means 50. Now, listen to me very carefully because, again, people, when they hear the word Pentecost, they're afraid. And I understand now that I know the meaning. So listen very carefully. This is what it means. 50. (laughs) That is scary, isn't it, when you think about it? That's all it means. That's all Pentecost. It means 50. And it's 50 days uh, county. Now listen, some say from the Passover, but actually it began 50 days from Passover. But God changed that and said, from now on you count 50 days from the day after the first Sabbath after Passover. The reason he did that was because he wanted it to be exactly 50 days after the resurrection of his son. So when it says when the day of Pentecost had fully come, it simply means on the 50th day, the exact day, all right? So let's keep reading, Acts 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord, remember those words, one accord, in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues. It just, it just this means separated as a fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit 
gave them utterance. This Greek word tongues here is glossa. It's where we get our word glossary. Simply means language. They begin to speak with other languages. So there are three things that I want you to know about the pure language. If you're taking notes, write these down, right? Here's number one. It is a language. Speaking in tongues is not gibberish. It is a language according to the Bible. Uh, Look at verses five and six of Acts chapter two now. It says, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language, his own language. Um, Dialectos is this Greek word, which we get our word dialect. Everyone heard them speak in their own dialect, their own language. It's a language. Speaking in tongues, according to the Bible, is a language. Because it's a language, let me explain some things to you about it, and I don't want anyone to ever be afraid of this because it's in the Bible. We should never be afraid of it. But let me tell you some myths about speaking in tongues because this will help you to understand it. So you, I even put this as a subpoint under this point, three myths about speaking in tongues. So if you wanna write these down, it'll help you to remember and to go back in your mind. Three myths about speaking in tongues. The first myth is that you start speaking it fluently the first day. You start speaking it fluently the first day. Now, I want you to understand something. People think, well, that's what they did on the day of Pentecost. That's not, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say they spoke fluently. It says they heard fluently. Can I say that one more time? It doesn't say they spoke fluently. It says the people heard them fluently in their own language. That was the miracle and they yielded their tongues to the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about bridling our tongues or submitting our tongues to God. Isn't it amazing that the first thing that the Holy Spirit changes when he comes is the tongue? And they had to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Think about this. You don't start speaking any language fluently. Uh, Have any of you here learned a a second language? Consider if you've learned a second language. Okay, did you start speaking it fluently the first time? No, and you know, by the way, if you speak two languages, they call you bilingual. If you speak one, they call you American. (laughs) Because most countries in the world know at least two languages other than many Americans. We we don't even know one, actually, if you wanna be honest about it very well. So you don't start speaking it fluently. Babies don't start speaking fluently. And here's the amazing thing, we think it's cute. It doesn't bother us when our children mispronunciate words. In the same way, so many people are afraid, well, I I might not do it right. Even if you don't do it right, your father likes it. He likes it. Our our son James used to mispronunciate lots of words. I mean, lots of words. And uh, one funny story that we have is um, James liked to collect bugs when he was young. I mean, he just loved bugs. And, um, but, but the, the funny story is that Debbie, um, my wife, um, does not like to collect bugs. <clears throat> she likes to kill bugs. She hates bugs. Uh, she has bitterness, uh, resentment, anger, malice toward bugs. Uh, she won't even witness to bugs. She wants them all to go to hell. So, <clears throat> so one day James comes running in the, in the house and he says, mommy, mommy, mommy. Well, you know, it gets her attention. She says, what? She, she leans over like this, and he has it in his hand. She open, he opens his hand, and he says, Tritic. 
you know, which means cricket, but he mispronounced it, tritit. Now, the great thing is that the cricket, now freed, <laughs> jumped and landed right here on mommy. And then because she screamed, he immediately got scared and went to hide. <laughs> so it's a real funny story in our family, and um, everyone loves it except Debbie. But the point was, he said, tritit. Okay, we didn't get on to him. We thought he was cute. Please hear me. If you want to pray in a prayer language, you can. You really can. If you're a believer, you can. But it's not going to be fluent from the first day. And even if it's not, I'm telling you, your father will like it. He'll like that you're trying. All right, here's the second myth I want to tell you. Uh, this is a myth now. You can't control it. Uh, you know, you just you kind of go into a trance, and uh, you just start speaking in tongues. And a lot of people are afraid about this because they feel like, you know, one day I'm going to be at Kroger's. And I'm just going to grab the thing and just start speaking in tongues over the microphone, you know, because I won't be able to control it. Well, all right, think about some of the other gifts. What about the gift of teaching? Uh, can you control the gift of teaching? Sure you can. can. Can you control the gift of prophecy? Sure you can. Matter of fact, it says it is subject to the prophets. So, sir, you can control the other gifts. Why can't you control this gift? You can. It is an act of your will. It is cooperating with the Holy Spirit. And then the third myth is that it's just going to jump out of you one day. You know, I've prayed for it, Pastor, and, uh, you know, if God sees fit to give me this gift, well, he's given you this gift. He's given you the Holy Spirit. He's given you all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He has given you this. Well, if he sees fit, you know, one day I'm sure it'll, it'll just come out of me. Well, that really, that, that's as foolish to believe that way, and I don't mean that in the wrong way, but it's as foolish to believe that as if today, you're, you know, when you're leaving the sanctuary, you walk by the offering box and a dollar just jumps out of your pocket into the box, and you say, look, honey, I've got the gift of giving. <laughs> I've been praying for the gift, and, and uh, the Lord gave it to me. No, it's not going to, a dollar's not going to just jump out of your pocket. You're going to have to stop at the box. You're going to have to pull your checkbook out, write a large, uh, write a check, <laughs> and cooperate with the Holy Spirit. So number one, it's a language. Number two, it is a language of the Spirit. Now, this is very, very important. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It is a language of the Spirit. First Corinthians 14 verse 2 says, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. Now, that, it's clear that he says, he who speaks in a tongue isn't speaking to men, but he's speaking to God. No one understands him, but in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. He speaks in a tongue in the the Spirit. I want you to remember in the Spirit. Now, I want you to show you two other verses in chapter 14, and I would, I'd like to ask you to do something that I don't ask you very often to do. I'd like to ask you to memorize these two verses. These will help you understand a prayer language, in my opinion, more than any other verses in the Bible. They're very, very clear. So, look at verses 14 and 15. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue, notice, by the way, if I, it's a choice. Paul is saying, if I do this, it's a choice. If I pray in a tongue, watch, my spirit prays. 
but my understanding, that's his mind, is unfruitful. I don't understand it in my mind, but I'm doing it in obedience. What is the conclusion then? Now watch carefully. I will pray with the Spirit. That has to be referring to praying in tongues. I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding. In other words, with my mind or the language I speak. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding. This is so clear. It is so clear. He said, if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying. If you just say that over and over and over, and that's the Bible, by the way, okay? So if there's anything that rises up in you, that you get a little upset over this, I want you to think about that because I understand that because I used to feel this way. I used to feel this way. Okay, so I'm not, I'm not getting down on you. But I'm telling you, I remember coming to the place one day where I thought to myself, why in the world would something rise up in me like that when I'm reading the Bible? This is the Bible. Okay, here's what he said. If I pray in tongues, my spirit prays. And then he says, so what's the conclusion of what I'm saying? Well, I'll pray with the spirit. That would be in tongues. And I'll pray with my understanding, with my mind. And I'll sing with the spirit. I'll sing. Think about this. How many people only pray with their own understanding? How many of your prayers are not really being fulfilled because you're only praying with your understanding? Is it possible that the Spirit has more understanding than you have about the situation? How many people only pray? See, the Spirit, we're, we're spirit, soul, and body. Our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. Think about it this way. How many people only pray soulish prayers? We only pray what we can understand by our own limited understanding. And yet Paul said, when I pray in a tongue, by the way, this is the greatest apostle that ever lived. He, said, he prayed in tongues. Matter of fact, he said in the same chapter, he said, I pray in tongues more than all of you. I wish all of you prayed in tongues. And he said, don't forbid anyone to pray in tongues. Now listen to me carefully. That's amazing. It says don't forbid because there are entire theological persuasions that actually disobey that verse. That's a verse in the Bible. And when I say the greatest apostle said this, not only the greatest apostle, but the Holy Spirit said it through the greatest apostle. I wish all of you did this. I do it more than all of you. This is amazing. My spirit prays. Now, let me tell you what happened. When, when, when I um, was baptized in the Holy Spirit, which is what I'm going to talk about next weekend, okay? So that's what I'm going to share on next weekend. When I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I did not speak in tongues at that time. I had a stronghold in my mind built up. As a matter of fact, I had been taught, not by all in my denomination, but by some, and this, this is amazing to me, I had been taught that it was demonic, that it was of the devil. Now, I want you to think about that. How in the world did we ever get to the place that we taught that a gift of the Holy Spirit was demonic? That's amazing. That is amazing to me, beyond comprehension. And why in the world would there be so much controversy over this verse? It's because Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and you could submit your tongue to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit can control your tongue. It's, it's just amazing. So anyway, when I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, I did not speak in tongues because I had the stronghold built up. I did prophesy, though. They encouraged me to. I didn't know. I just had this welling up in me to say something, and they encouraged me to say it. Debbie, however, did speak in tongues. Uh, and then I was praying, God, if you want me to have it, give it to me, and, you know, things like that, because I didn't know any better. I, did, I had not studied it in Scripture. And so, uh, a few months later, we were getting ready for church, and uh, Debbie had this smile on her face. And I said, what, what, what are you smiling about? And uh, she said, oh, nothing. And I said, no, really, what are you smiling about? She said, well, I don't, I don't want to embarrass you. 
I said, well, tell me, what, what are you smiling about? She said, well, last night you went to sleep and I couldn't sleep, so I got up and went into the living room and read my Bible for a while, and I came back in, and when I came back in, she said, well, I heard you. And I said, heard me what? And she said, you know, speaking in tongues. And I said, what? She said, yeah, you were speaking in tongues last night, and I heard you. I said, are you telling me the truth? Are you? I said, I was asleep. I was asleep. She said, well, you were speaking in tongues, and you're doing really well, too. And so I went to my pastor, because this was all new to me, you know, and so I went to my pastor, and I said, Debbie told me I was speaking in tongues while I was sleeping. I said, have you ever heard of this? I'll never forget what he said. He said, oh, yes, this happens a lot to hard-headed people. <laughs> I said, well, what I do? You know, what's amazing is the, the Bible says that when we do this, that our spirit is praying. Here's what's amazing. I had such a stronghold, I was so hard-headed about this that my spirit had to wait for me to go to sleep so he could pray. <laughs> Every night he's just sitting there, come on, come on, come on. Okay, Lord, now let me talk to you about what he was talking about here. You know, what he asked for earlier, forget that. That's not right. So I said to my pastor, what I do? He said, well, sometime when you're alone, so you won't be embarrassed, when you're alone and you're in your quiet time and you're reading your Bible and you're praying when you're in the presence of God, he said, just open your mouth and start speaking syllables that you don't know. You just yield your tongue to the Holy Spirit. And I said, well, I thought it would just pop out of me. And I thought, he said, no, no, no. There's a gift of tongues and there's a grace of tongues. There's, there's a message in tongues through the Lord. And there is a, 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 a yielding and a praying in tongues. So he said, you have to yield to this. And he taught me some of the things that I'm teaching you. And so I, I said, okay. So I started doing that. About a week or two later, he said to me, how's it going? I said, I don't know. I just said, it's going fine, but I don't feel anything. He said, well, do you always feel something when you pray in English, or do you sometimes just pray by faith? Do you always feel when you tithe? Do you always feel something when you tithe, or do you just tithe in faith? And so, he said, it's just like anything else in the Christian life. You have to do it by faith. So, I said, okay. So, I kept, and a few months later, I'll never forget, I was speaking somewhere at a church, and in the morning, I was praying. The sun was actually, I remember, coming up, and I was walking around the hotel swimming pool. No one was out there, and I was praying in English, just praying for the day, and I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to. The Bible says, you know this, I'm going to pray in the Spirit, and so I started, and all of a sudden, an unction and anointing came on me, and I felt like I was preaching under the power of the Holy Spirit, and I was speaking in this language that I didn't know. And I was gesturing, and I could feel, and, and I, would, I would, you know, Paul said, pray that you may interpret. Sometimes I would have a picture of one of my kids in my mind, and I would pray, or my family, or something like that. But the breakthrough came after being obedient. It's much like tithing in that we start, we don't feel anything, and then a breakthrough comes later. Uh, let me show you just a couple other scriptures on this. Uh, if uh, Many people don't know that this is actually part of your armor. Did you know that? This is part of the armor of God. Ephesians 6, many people read this and stop before the last verse. I'm not going to read all of it, but let me show you the last two verses of our armor. Ephesians 6, verses 17 and 18. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Watch verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Part of our armor is praying in the Spirit the Spirit. The NIV says it this way, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. 
Jude verse 20 says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Is it possible that you are losing some battles because you're not building yourself up spiritually? Is it possible you're losing some battles because you're not putting on your whole armor? Is it possible you're losing some battles because you're not allowing your spirit to pray, you're only praying through your soul? So, all right, here's point number three. Number three is, it's a pure language. And flip back to Genesis 11. I didn't tell you to turn to it a moment ago uh, because it's tradition to only turn to two passages of Scripture here. I'm joking. It's just easy to find Genesis 11. You just go back to the first of the Bible. Genesis chapter 11. You remember the Tower of Babel? That's Genesis 11. Look at at Genesis 11, verse 1. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. Now, look at me just for a moment. The whole earth had one language. What language was that? Now, some would say Hebrew. Well, the next chapter is where God calls Abram and the Jewish nation is is birth. I don't think it was Hebrew. Uh, I don't think it was English. (laughs) The whole earth had one language. Is it possible that it was a heavenly language? God put Adam and Eve in the garden and they walked and talked with God every day. Do you think maybe they spoke a heavenly language? Maybe. Then they sinned. The whole earth becomes sinful. God tries to start all over with Noah. They become sinful again, so he begins the Jewish nation through Abram and, be, and sets his laws forth through them. Okay, but this is right before Abraham. Abraham is Genesis 12, okay? Now watch this. The whole earth had one language. Look at verse five. But the Lord came down. They're trying to build a city and a tower to heaven. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, watch very carefully, this is God talking. Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now, listen to what God said, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Nothing they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us, notice again the Trinity, go down there and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. And the Lord confused them and then scattered them. All right, I want you to think about this. They had one language, and God said, they're trying to build a tower to heaven. Now, our obvious question when we read this would be, well, why didn't God let them try? You want to know the answer? According to Scripture, they could have done it. God said, Nothing they propose to do will be withheld from them. In essence, here's what he said. We better take this language away because with this language, all things are possible. Now, listen to me carefully. Is it possible that if you will use this language that what you pray for, nothing will be withheld from you? Now, listen why. Because you're not praying soulless prayers. You're praying spiritual prayers. Did you catch that? See, your soul isn't praying a selfish prayer. Your spirit is praying a spiritual prayer for your children, for your marriage. And nothing that you propose will be withheld from you with this one language. Okay, so here's what happens. They've got this language, and God says, we better take that language away. So he takes it away, and this is where all the languages are formed. This is where they come from. Now watch very carefully. Watch, I'm gonna show you another verse. I'm gonna just put it on the screen. Zephaniah, this is talking about when Jesus comes and the Holy Spirit comes, all right? Watch this, Zephaniah 3.9. Then I will restore 
restore to the peoples a pure language that they all may call on the name of the Lord or pray to serve him with one accord. Did you see the last two words, by the way? One accord? You remember where we started? Acts 2 verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with what? One accord. And Zephaniah, talking about when the Holy Spirit comes, says, I will restore to the people a pure language. I want you to notice this word, restore. He didn't say I'll give or I'll create. He said I'll give back. I'm going to give back to the peoples, which he makes it plural, nations, all the dialects, all the languages that I created back in Genesis 11, I'm going to give them back the language that nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. And I'm going to give them a pure language. Can can I tell you something? There's only one language that has no profanity. I've been in over 60 nations. I've preached in over 60 nations. Nearly every nation, I've had an interpreter tell me something similar to this. Uh, Don't say that. (laughs) That that doesn't mean here what you think it means. Because there's profanity in every language. But there's one language that there's no profanity in. There's one language that's pure. And God said, I'm going to give it back. I'm going to give them back a pure language. Years ago, after I'd been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but before I was praying in my prayer language, I was with this friend of mine, and he was about to speak, and he said, hey, let's pray before the service. So I said, okay. So we went and found a little classroom somewhere, and we got on our knees beside these little chairs, and we started praying. And he prayed, and I prayed, and then he prayed, and then I prayed, you know. And then it got kind of quiet, and then all of a sudden, he started praying in a prayer language. Now, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you, okay, what I thought. Here's, here, here's a, what I thought. I thought to myself, he's not very good at this, is he? <laughs> I mean, it was the most disjointed. It was, you know, ba, wa, da, ba, wa, ka, no, be. And I thought to myself, did he just mention a Star Wars character? <laughs> I mean, it was just, it just wasn't that good, you know? And I'd heard some other people, and boy, it was just, it was beautiful, you know? And I, I got a little tickled even. I, got, I, just, I just thought, man, this guy's bad, you know? Okay. Now, here's the only problem. I forgot that the Lord overhears our thoughts. And I'm sitting there in my mind thinking, this guy's not that good. And the Lord said to me, well, at least he has the courage to try. Now, here's what I'm saying to you. As your pastor... I want every person in Gateway Church to pray in the Spirit. And I'm asking you to just have the courage to try. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you, just like we do every week, just in your heart, not out loud, but in your heart, just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? Just just ask Him. Maybe you've never prayed in the Spirit because you thought, and, and, and you thought you, didn't have a, uh, you don't have a bad thought about it. You actually, in integrity, thought, well, you know, if it, I, I want God to do it. I don't want it to be fleshly. I, I want the Lord to do it, and I'll, I'll just wait for God to do it. I understand that. So please don't feel guilty or condemned if that's the way you felt, because I felt that for a while. I didn't understand that it's like any other gift. We have to just step out in faith and begin. 
Think about even in teaching, you, you've got to study and you've got to learn and you've got to prepare your notes and you've got to volunteer to be an assistant teacher maybe first. And, and then you, you teach a, a small group and, and, and you, just, you, just, you just learn, you grow in every gift of the Holy Spirit. So what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? I'm asking you to take the advice that my pastor gave me years ago. When you're in your quiet time, when you're in your quiet time, when you're with the Lord, alone, maybe with a worship CD on, just step out in faith. Submit your tongue to the Holy Spirit. If you do it every day, if we submit our tongues to the Holy Spirit, it will change the way we speak. And we'll be speaking words of life and not words of death. We want to pray for you, no matter which campus you're attending. If you're at South Lake or North Richland Hills or Frisco, if you're in the overflow, in just a moment, we're going to have one more worship song. During that worship song, we're going to have leaders at the front of every campus. On the second level at South Lake, we have leaders by all the exits. Uh, and we ask that no one leave during this time. Our services are not long services. They really aren't. So one for, for one more song, we ask that you, you stay and that you're involved and that you're worshiping with us. And if you need prayer for any reason, would you just come to the front of whichever campus you're attending, even in the, in the overflow room, just come to the front of the room or in the, at the second level, go toward one of the exits. There'll be people that are praying with you. If you need prayer for any area of your life, let us pray for you. We want to pray for you, all right? Holy Spirit, I pray you'll give uh, courage to every person who needs prayer at every campus in Jesus' name. Amen.